drinking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Act the fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here we take care of our own. Yes, sir, and welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Forsaro with co-host producer Dave D'Agostino. Our mission on the channel, as always, is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. Today, we will also uh, attempt to raise your sports IQs with our very special guest, Larry Bluestein. Larry is a legendary reporter down here in South Florida, primarily on the high school sports scene with football in, in very much in uh, Larry's wheelhouse. But Larry also is well-versed in all sports, huge baseball fan, photographic memory. He, he's got so many stories about the history of Miami and South Florida baseball. Also a longtime friend of our very own on their channels, Will George, uh, Will, of course, has a couple of is on a couple of shows down here as well on the uh, on our network. But before we get to Larry, let's bring in Dave with some announcements. Dave, yeah, real call be real quick so we can get to the meat and potatoes of this. But just want to thank our subscribers, sixty thousand subscribers now. Grassroots MLB front offices, seventy four countries. We appreciate your support. Make sure you give this episode five stars. Write some nice comments for Joe and Larry at the end of it. You don't have to say anything nice about me, but. Uh, we battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like they do in baseball today. So help us out there. Special thanks to iHeartRadio for taking a shot on us. Our fans did enough of a push to where iHeart brought us into their fold. Very powerful podcast network. Thank you guys for that. Blackout Coffee, our very first friend in the sponsorship realm. We took a while to decide on a partner. Blackout Coffee, their slogan is Be Awake, Not Woke. As part of that new friendship, they're offering our fans 20% off their first purchase of coffee online. All you got to use is the the code David, all capital letters, D-A-V-I-D, with the number 20. Get you 20% off. Doesn't matter how much you buy. And then you'll get 15% off in perpetuity. Love love friends that love baseball, love coffee. I'm drinking my blackout right now in my blackout mug, Joe. How about that? That's um, what I'm talking about. And I'm not lying either, audience. I know it's not a visual, <laughs> but I'm, I'm drinking it. It's the espresso. And last thanks to probably our most faithful listener, Joe, Ted Kubiak, former shortstop for the Oakland A's, three-time world champion. If you are buying a stocking stuffer for a baseball fan, his book, Old School, The Evolution of America's Pastime, What Has Happened to the Game I Love by Ted Kubiak. Great forward by Tony La Russa in there. He's got another book called How to Field a Ground Ball. It's the most in-depth book I've seen on fielding a ground ball. He is a savant with that. And he's coming out with a children's book uh, to that same parallel in January. So be on the lookout for that. But buy that book. We'll give you in the show notes. We'll we'll show you how to get to Ted's website, uh, but to support him. But with that, I'm excited to talk to Larry today. He's got some inside info that I want to get to on Will George. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll get Larry in here in a second. But real quick, uh, he needs no introdu- introduction of people in South Florida. Uh, at least four decades uh, as a sports writer down here. His now. Prep Red Zone is a prep football Bible to anybody that's in the state of Florida that wants to know the ins and outs on the top players and teams in the state. And um, and Larry also has a weekly uh, radio show on 560 WQAM right down here in Miami. Without any further ado, uh, Larry, welcome, my friend. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it, Joe. Uh, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. And uh you know, obviously, uh, you know, you you talk a lot a bit about baseball. Obviously, I've started out with baseball and now uh, branched off over the last uh, 53 years since 1970 um, in football and uh, had an opportunity growing up in South Florida uh, to uh, not only watch some really good college and, and professional football with the Dolphins starting in 66, but a lot of... Um, uh, minor league baseball and, and spring training, which was kind of, yeah, as our kid, uh, being a kid down here, he got a chance to see uh, at the Florida State League level before the, they ever reached uh, Major League Baseball. And then during spring training, kind of caught up with uh, some guys that you watch when they're 18 and 19, like Ferguson Jenkins and 
uh, Jeff James and players like that from when they were like 18 years old. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. Could already see that, Dave, right? I mean, Larry can talk on subjects that <laughs> very few can. This is going to be a weird conversation because we're going to have conversations about Ferguson Jenkins as well as high school yeah. football players right now. Uh, Larry, when you, when you look back, it, you know, at, at the beginnings, for people that are getting into sports journalism, obviously you and I are about the same age and, and we the, the industry has completely changed. But, you know, uh, you, you've stayed a long time at that grassroots level doing preps and, and, and now we've seen how it evolves with everyone has their own websites and so forth. Um, did you ever think it would, it would last this long? And, and why is that level, the grassroots, so appealing to you? Well, the reason it's probably lasted so long, Joe, is the fact that I kind of uh, did everything all at once. I mean, I covered professional baseball, covered uh, NFL. Like I did all of that, but I always, you know, remember that, you know, if you're going to do something, do it the right way. And, and that's what I did. I, you know, I came up uh, before they had cell phones or before they had computers or, you know, I used to have to have a bunch of change in my pocket to use pay phones. And I've never lost those values. I still do things in that manner. I go and I see, I see up to close to 100 games, parts of 100 football games every year. Um, I travel. I went last summer to 11 colleges in the state of Florida from Pensacola down to South Florida area. It, it, it's been essential for me because of the fact that, you know, I've grown up for, I, as I, as my friends say that I've never left high school, which I really haven't in my, in my late sixties. And I've always, you know, stayed, you know, in tune with everything that's going on. So to answer your question, it, it's never been, uh, you know, a question of me ever saying, well, you know what, it's enough. I, I've had enough of it. And, you know, which a lot of times waking up at six o'clock in the morning to go to a camp up in Orlando, which is four hours away, you know, you kind of question yourself. But, um, you know, I, I love what I do. And, uh, you know, last week, uh, one of the, 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 the probably the toughest adjustment is covering now uh, grandkids of guys that I covered when they began. And, you know, you kind of like wipe that you, you go home, you feel bad, but then you say, you know what, maybe that, that's some type of badge of honor. So, uh, to answer your question, I never really thought that I would ever do this, but it, it just, it just keeps moving on. Yeah. You know, there's a word that uh, was brought up on our network the other day. It's kind of like the word of the year. Um, our, our good friend Kevin Kernan noted it, uh, the word authenticity. And and I think, Larry, I think you sense in the two years, I you know, since I retired from doing day-to-day baseball with the Marlins, that I'm out there having fun doing it. There's an authentic, at least my I'm hoping to be, you know, an right. authenticity to to, to provide. Obviously, I'm, I'm having fun doing it and I'm, you know, making a little money in the process, but it's making a difference and, and, you know, kind of still, you know, molding hopefully in our own small ways, the next generation of writers, but also, you know, seeing opportunity to tell and relate stories of the athletes we cover in the schools we cover and really shine light on them. And, and I think, and you, no one's better at that than you, you, you are as genuine as they come because you'll find some kid up in the panhandle that no one's ever heard of. And boom, you put him on the map or that school on the map and, and, you know, talk about that aspect of it. Well, I've always, I've always believed in going and seeing for yourself. You know, anybody could tell you about an athlete and, and ironically, I was going to bring up the fact that when I do these summer camps and you go to remote cities, you know, not just Tallahassee and Gainesville, you know, and Miami and Orlando and Tampa, but you're in some of these communities. And remember from Pensacola, which is at the tip of the boot uh, of, of Florida, right on the Alabama border, uh, down to Key West is 810 miles. And it's still in the same state. We're one of five states that have two time zones. 
in the state. So you're finding yourself uh, like next week, uh, the state championships, which I curse, uh, are 480 miles away from where the center of football is. And, you know, uh, Miami-Dade and Broward County are going to probably end up sending six or seven teams to Tallahassee. And uh, but I get an opportunity and it's funny because I I have a, a couple of kids that I cover now that are they scout. Uh, professional baseball with the Seattle Mariners and the Colorado Rockies. And I run into them during the summer because what I do is during the daytime, I'll go to a camp at University of South Florida or Orlando uh, at UCF. And then at night I go see a Florida state league game and I run into them and, you know, just keeping, you know, just cause I like that. And that's the one thing that ha- has helped me because you know, and these guys go, well, you do all this stuff and you still have time to, you know, sit down and talk with, with everybody. And I always say, I, I never learned any other way. You know, I mean, it's, I don't do anything any different. You know, you see me at games and, and, and kids will come up to me and parents will come up to me and say, oh, thank you for what you do. And I appreciate that. But I don't look at it as I'm any different. I just enjoy what I do. And, you know, and when they say, you know, oh man, you've been doing this for a long time. And I said, well, cause you know, cause I enjoy it. And, uh, and you know, in, in this world, there's a lot of people that bust their tail, you know, from seven o'clock in the morning till five every single day and, you know, doing things that they perhaps don't want to do. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, over the last 53 years, coming up on 54 years, to do something that I really like. Yeah, and for our audience, Larry Bluestein's being very, very modest because kids during games, and that's, I always kind of crack up on it because the kids, we walk up and down the sidelines and we're sometimes running, you know, taking videos and so forth. Larry goes up and down the sidelines. These football players who come off the field Right after doing a play, we'll see Larry Bluestein and take their helmet off, run over and shake his hand in between, right as the game's going on. If he needs a quick photo of them, they pause on the spot. Uh, and that's just kind of the rapport. And that's and Larry, to be honest, that's kind of the appeal I love about covering it. Is, yeah. you know, you know, the, the officials will ask our opinion on something or or vice versa, or we get an explanation, or or the players we're right there. We see it all. Yeah. And uh, and they still, you know, they they do interact. And, and that's why I feel it helps tell these stories and how genuine they can be. A unique perspective. And I'm glad that you, you know, I mean, and that, you know how much I think about you as a baseball writer. And I read you all the time. And and for you to be on that sideline to see, you know, what, I, what I've gone through and how, you know, how real it is. And, and, and like you said, you know, I talked to these players, uh, quick story, uh, Teddy Bridgewater being a junior in high school at Miami Northwestern. In fact, I actually coached Teddy in an RBI league. He played, he played shortstop. I compared him to Sean Dunstan because he had a cannon and, um, we were on the sidelines and Teddy's, you know, when he comes out of the game, he's throwing rocks and he's hanging out and throwing, you know, call talking to people. And I said, Teddy, you've got to be a little bit more, you know, attentive to what's going on in the game. You've got to have your receivers over here. I mean, you know, he had Amari Cooper on the team, you know, and I says, you've got to be into the game more than just throwing pebbles at, you know, <laughs> on the sideline over here. And you know what? It worked because I then from then on all the way to now he with being with Detroit, Teddy has been a a, a model guy and you know not a lot of pe- not a lot of you know people you know adults would take an opportunity to do that they figured oh well you know this kid's an established kid and he's really good I'm not going to tell him what to do but these kids need guidance and 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 you know that's the one thing that I I'm old enough to be a lot of their you know them their grandfather grandfathers and they look at me i mean kids the the thing that like my wife and other people don't understand these kids will text me at home just like i'm like an 18 year old guy like hey would you would you do for thanksgiving or are you going to the game tomorrow hey we just got done seeing a movie and and that makes me feel good because they trust me and you know joe from walking around if those and you just know kids because you have them, and, and you know if there's a trust built up there, I mean you're you're friends for life. Oh, no doubt. And when you see them at that level before they, 
you know, make it so, you know, so to speak, really big. Yeah. Uh, you have that rapport and you can tell their stories. Um, Dave, jump in. Well, yeah, Larry, I love listening to the stories. And I know if you know, if, you, if you're close with Joe, and of course you, you have a relationship with Will George, then I know an underlying theme of your success has been relationships. Could you talk to that a little bit, uh, the relationships that you try to develop with not just the player, but there's these players have circles around them. How important is that to you, not just your coverage of them, but your really in-depth evaluations of them? That's a good question, David. I, and, and I'll tell you that the great thing is, is when a parent will come up to you and say, hey, listen, my son just speaks so highly of you. And, you know, I mean, and, and he trusts you so much and your opinion. And, and when that happens, I feel good because it's, it's not easy these days. And, you know, a, a fun story is that, you know, I mean, and I tell this a lot because obviously Will would relate to it. And, and this is a baseball side story. I, I worked, uh, f- um, with the Miami Marlins of Florida state league back in late seventies, early eighties. And that's when I met Will, but during spring training, um, Cal Ripken jr. Now, and I knew his dad from when we grew up because of the fact that he managed, uh, the, the class a team in uh, South Florida. And he comes up to me, uh, Cal jr. Comes up to me after a game. He goes, you do me a favor. He said, will you take, um, uh, take my car, which is out in the parking lot. Could you bring it around the other side of the stadium? Cause you know, right now I got to go when I can't. So I did. And he never forgot that. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things that, you know, every time I saw him and, you know, had an opportunity to, to, uh, cause I did public address for the spring training for the Orioles. So getting a chance to, to meet some of the great players and also like people like John Miller, uh, one of the, idolize him as a broadcaster and a great guy. So you get to build relationships because of the fact that, you know, I wasn't one of those loud, you know, know-it-all people. You kind of drink things in, you kind of blend in and, and people kind of remember you for that. And, and, and that to me, Dave, is, is something that, you know, I think that out of anything that I do, it's those relationships and the respect that those circle of people that you had mentioned, you know, how they, how they view you. And, and I think that's part of my, that's part of why I love this so much. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to do two evaluations for me, if you don't mind. I mean, our, our show really loves our hosts and <laughs> Will George is on two shows. He's on our coaching Kernan show with Kevin Kernan, myself and Sal Marinello, Kevin being the the star of the show. And then he has his own show with Mark Wiley, uh, one of his former mentors. Pitching and, coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, could you do us a favor? So our audience, uh, Will's a wonderful talent and, and, and a wonderful man, but give our audience a little insight into two things. One, how good an evaluator is Will George? And then second, I heard he was a heck of a quarterback too. Forget about the pitching. I know he could pitch, but what kind of a quarterback was he back in the day? Well, the reason why he's a great, a great evaluator and he's an intelligent guy is because he looks at the entire picture and, you know, he just doesn't make a quick snap evaluation. Oh, that kid can run or, you know, I mean, you know, he could throw or, you know, he's got quick hands for, you know, hitting. Uh, Will takes the whole thing. And, and that's how I evaluate, you know, the, evaluating talent at anything, uh, basketball, baseball, anything takes in more than just what's in front of you. You have to look beyond it. And that's what Will does better, as good as anybody. He looks at character. He look, you know, because as I'm always told, you know, to, and I still remember Jimbo Fisher saying to me when he was an assistant and he says, you know what, the thing that you do that I like is you look beyond the X's and O's and you looked at down the line, what type of teammate he could be. Could he tear the team apart because there's a lot of guys that run four, four, and there's a lot of guys that, you know, in baseball that throw nineties and and hundreds and, you know, close to a hundred now. So you have to separate that. And that's what Will does. You know, I mean, anybody could slap in a film and tell a kid could hit and anybody could slap in a film and see somebody can block or catch. But what you can't see is character and character is something that will, what he does as good as anybody, he goes beyond the X's and O's. And to answer your question, he was a really good quarterback and, uh, you know, he could have played a lot of colleges, quick release, um, wasn't a blazing speed guy, but he relied on his arm and, uh, you know, playing in the New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia area that he did, um, a lot of great talent, 
And, uh, you know, uh, you guys like Willie Wilson came out of there and Willie was probably, Willie could have played a, a baseball or football. He was a nine, eight hundred guy, uh, you know, so those things that you, that you learn and, and will watch a lot of really good athletes come up and that's, uh, yeah, he could have been a really good college football player as well. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Joe, go ahead. No, no, that's great stuff. And, and, and Larry, this kind of leads into my next question, you know, uh, in the two years that I've seen the high school football down here, and as you noted, um, for our audience who may not know, there's a couple of different ways they classify schools. Uh, the the South Florida, which we consider Miami, Dade, and Broward counties, the areas we're most uh, you know, attuned to, we could have seven of the eight teams that are in the semifinals in the metropolitan area, uh, or classification, excuse me, can be going to the state championship next week. That's yeah. what's on the line. So, yeah. the ta- and last year, South Florida sent six uh, in the four div- in the four classifications and had two, and had you know all four winners were from South Florida, and two of the four were head to head Miami Dade against Broward in the in the championship game. And amazing talent last year. It looks like we're just as good this year. Larry, how good? of football give our audience a real indication of just how good high school football the elite teams and players are here in south florida yeah different level type of kids uh you you turn on a tv on any saturday or sunday and you could see and you know both the boza brothers i had an opportunity to watch them since they were little league and you know they were phenomenal they're phenomenal at this level i mentioned amari cooper you look at guys like um michael irvin and I mean, you have so much talent and the the weather plays such a factor in it. I mean, because there's, we have no snow days, uh, you know, it rains and, you know, it clears up by four, three, four o'clock. So you could go out 365 here. I mean, you could, there's, you know, a lot of areas around the country that you just, it's too cold or, you know, the climate's different, but, and a lot of people stay here, you know, where, uh, the one curse that South Florida has, and probably the entire state of Florida, they don't pay their coaches. I mean, it's it's an embarrassment. But for some reason, it, the love for the game ha- keeps, and the weather keeps the coaches here, and it keeps the athletes here. So you have, it's an endless loop of talent. And you mentioned Miami-Dade and Broward County. There's no area in the country, Southern California, Texas, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio included, that has more of a consolidated area of talent. Uh, and Tommy Tuberville once said that you could win a national title every year in a 100-mile radius of the University of Miami, and you can. And, and, and you, you brought up – it was the first time ever. They tried their hardest, the uh, – as we call the good old boys in Tallahassee, you know, where, they've, uh, where most of the decisions there in Gainesville are made uh, for the high schools, they try their hardest to, to try to figure out ways to make it as tough on South Florida schools to, you know, achieve. Because at one year, there were uh, seven classifications in the South Florida area, won six state titles. So uh, two years later, they, they try to eliminate that. And Last year was the first year ever that a team from Dade and a team from Broward played each other for the state title. And it happened twice, and it could happen again this year at two, at two different classifications. So, um, yeah, it's, it's unmatched. And you know what? I, my, I give the Texas, and I, and I did national for 17 years. So I, it's not like I'm just speaking you know, out of a cave. Uh, I know how much talent there is in California quarterbacks and, you know, Texas, you know, athletes and everywhere, but it's just tough. And look at, and here's, here's the way I look at it. You look at any other area in the country, Southern California, you know, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, uh, and most of their really good football teams are, are, are suburb teams like in Houston with Katie and schools like that. And and in Dallas with South Lake Carroll here, seven of our top teams in South Florida were inner city schools, uh, Northwestern, Central, Norland, Miami Booker T. Washington, Edison, where Luther Campbell coaches. And, uh, and that's a difference. And the thing is, is we have this school of choice 
And the school of choice, more times than not, the only way you could get athletes in is if you have desks that are open. And the inner city is an endless loop of open desks. It's under, every school is under enrolled. So that means they could bring in kids every year where some of the suburb schools who are overcrowded can't. And that's why the South Florida area is, is so talent rich. And the youth football here is amazing. And it's between this Dallas and the Southern California area, there's not a better system of youth football. And these kids come out of, of uh, these youth football programs and they're plug and play. They could go in as ninth graders and start. You know, you look at guys like Dalvin Cook and his brother James. And, you know, they came right out of the, the youth football system and went right into high school and started as ninth graders against kids that were four years older. No, there's, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, last year, uh, that was the first time I've covered high school football in probably about 40 years, basically. And, you know, we had Ruben Bain at Miami Central. Yeah. And now he's at University of Miami, was just named the, what, defensive, freshman AC, defensive, yeah. uh, defensive player, player of the year, year in the Atlantic yeah. Coast Conference. You know, yeah. and, and here's a guy who was on the sideline for Chaminade against Central earlier this year. You know, yeah, well, they, they come right back and they, and obviously it's close by, but, you know, they're, you know, like you say, there, there's so much talent, so much talent. Yeah. And, well, and, and Larry, what catches me is just a number of really good kids they are, you know, in terms of dedicated, focused, you know, committed, respectful, you know, you know, they certainly know that the media helps raise their brand. And I, and I want to segue into that a little bit, too. Uh, but yeah, finish your thought there. Uh, you were, you were well, say yeah, I was going to say that, you know, you bring up a great point and, and it, I'm sure it happens in every corner. You know, I have friends up in the Pennsylvania and they you know, they'll be on the sideline and, you know, a, a, of a game. And there's a lot of guys who played in the NFL, like Aliquippa and places like that. And they'll come back for games. But for some reason, the, the South Florida area, they just and, – and the great thing is is a lot of these guys have become stars and were stars like a Willis McGahee and players like that. But they could be on the sideline and nobody will ask for their autograph. And, and that, to me, it, it speaks volumes of how, you know, how this cycle works. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, I bring up Teddy Bridgewater because he's a different guy. You know, I mean, he's, he knew from when he was 11 years old that he was going to give back and he hasn't stopped. And he, ha you know, he has this thing called Christmas in July, right before he leaves um, uh, for training camp every year uh, where he rents two U-Hauls, fills them with toys and bikes and, you know, things that parents can't get the kids, you know, cause it's, you know, the economy now and the way it is, it has been, they, enough, they do enough to get their kids school clothes and, you know, shoes and, but they can't afford skateboards. They can't afford bikes. They can't afford some of those. And what he does is he spends upwards of eighty-five, $90,000 every year. Uh, and, and, finds out through the police agency what kids have been good, you know, what kids, you know, aren't, you know, thugs and, uh, you know, who are trying in school and he, and he rewards them. And that's, you know, and, and he tells nobody, he calls no TV stations, he calls no media. And to me, you don't find that. And that's what this area has long been about. I mean, Chad Ochocinco, who went to Miami Beach, does the same thing. I mean, he'll come back and he'll, you know, they give turkeys away. And, and, and uh, yeah, and, and that to me, you know, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other areas of the country, but you usually go to some of these areas and, and, and those former uh, baseball, football, whatever, players come back, but they want the publicity. They want the spotlight shining on them. For some reason, it doesn't happen that way down here. These, you very, I mean, I had to, uh, for one of the mothers of uh, Tutu Atwell, who was uh, with the Rams and played at Louisville, for them, for his mother to have to call me to tell him he was doing some event, and, you know, because he wouldn't tell me. And uh, because they're like that. And, uh, yeah, you don't teach that. That's got to come from within. And, you know, growing up in inner city areas, these kids see that all the time. And they see the bad, you know, all the time. So they know that they could break that chain. They they know that they that cycle, that 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 downward cycle they know that they could change lives and, and they do it and they don't want any fanfare a fanfare format 
No, they they respect the, their legacy of their community. Uh, they and there is that sense of community that makes it so special. Dave, yeah, uh, Larry, your your position in the sports world is just so unique. I mean, it, you can't even put words to it. You've seen three generations of of kids come through. I always get asked. I spent a good bulk of my career coaching college basketball, and I get asked, are, are, "Have kids changed?" And I always defend that. I say, "I don't think kids have changed." parenting has changed. What's been your perception from, you know, you're seeing the on the field stuff, but you also have this unique relationship of generations of kids. Have, have kids changed over time in what way? And, or am I right in saying parenting's changed? Well, I, I think David, if, if, if they haven't changed, there would be something wrong because you have to kind of keep up with society and society has changed. And, you know, these kids, I mean, the values are always, you know, what they used to be, but you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses and there's so many other distractions and there's so many other things going on. And, you know, you just look at when we were growing up, there were so many rivalries that they've taken away in, in all sports. And it's just, I think the kids are still, you know, and, and, I, and you're hundred percent right. What happens at home and anything is the way you feel. You see all this, you know, going on now with prejudice and, you know, hate and stuff, but that's not the kids. That's been drummed into them by uh, their parents and drummed up to them by their grandparents. And you see, and that's, they're only a product of their society, but in the great, I guess in, in a great circle of things, um, the kids haven't changed. I think the environments have changed and they just are trying to swim along and keep up with everything. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. Um, you know, you're in a you're in a unique pocket of the world, and you made a comment that somebody could win a national championship with a hundred mile radius of, of where you're at, and I I agree. I mean, that was a, a haven when uh, coaching college basketball that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how has that area maintained such a steady flow of talent, um, such a steady flow of instruction and I mean, you could, you could probably, we could probably do an hour show of you just name dropping players that have come through there and just pick oh, a sport. Didn't amazing. matter. Yeah. And how does it mean, maintain that status? Well, and, and you got to feel too, David, that from a baseball standpoint, I mean, this is, you know, this is an area that has long been a hotbed from Andre Dawson right up to A-Rod and all these players that I had an opportunity. Uh, I went to school at the same time that Andre Dawson uh, went to, to school and uh, he was just, just an amazing athlete. You know, he went to a, a you know, a school that wasn't uh, perhaps one of the best, uh, you know, uh, athletic programs, but, but you, like you said, you could pick out any school in South Florida and somebody came from there. You know, the other day we were talking about Miami Central and obviously Dalvin Cook, but back in the day you had Elvis Peacock, you had gymnast Kurt Thomas who who went to Miami Central. Uh, you had we've had in in what they call I think that the number one uh, city for athletic uh, you know prowess in the entire country is a place called Miami Gardens, and Joe, you know exactly where that is, and they have put out Olympians. NBA players. They had Danny Tartable and bat and baseball, and they and uh, it's amazing how in one pocket uh, that stretches eight nine miles that you have uh, such impressive and not just you know and also movie directors and you know uh, high high attorneys and you know I mean like I said and my wife went to school with Andy Garcia. You know, I mean, uh, who was a, uh, who still is a great actor. And it's my favorite, it's my favorite actor. Yeah. And, and, but that's what I'm saying. And, and, and for us to be on the sideline with you know, Uncle Luke, Luther Campbell, you know, from Two Live Crew, a lot of people's, the parents are more enamored with him than the kids are because they don't, they don't remember. But the parents go, like, oh my gosh, Luther Campbell's a football coach. And yeah, it, it happens like that. And, you know, you, I mean, here's a great case in point Jason Taylor, who is probably as good a defensive end there, as there ever was. And he was he was on the sidelines for high school with St. Thomas Aquinas for five years. He was a position coach, and then he became a you know a coordinator. But here's a guy who you know where's where's that NFL jacket, that Hall of Fame jacket that that's teaching your kid. 
And I think, you know, and especially now with the University of Miami, the reason why they're doing so well, especially when it comes to getting, you know, defensive linemen is because of him. I mean, you're a parent. All of a sudden, Jason Taylor walks into your living room. You know, I mean, you're as a parent, you go, where do we sign? You know, I mean, geez, this is and that's that's one of the things, you know, that's that's one of the things, especially in South Florida. And again, I don't discount that every area has their, you know, their guys. But I, you know, being, you know, in the Houston area for a length of time and in Southern California and, you know, I went to school at UNLV and I used to see a lot of these guys that came back all the time. You know, I mean, when I was there and even now with Larry Johnson and, you know, uh, guys like Stacy Augman and when from a, and this year this is the first year in 17 years they're having a winning football season. So I see all that, you know, and, and but it, there's nothing that compares to this area because, as Joe said, I mean, we'll go to a game tomorrow night and there's going to be somebody, obviously, because college is winding down or over for a lot of these teams that they'll be on the sideline. And, you know, Reuben Bain, uh, you know, uh, Cam Kinchins, who was uh, uh, ACC defensive, one of the top defensive uh, players, led uh, was fourth in the nation in interception. He comes back. But the one thing is, is because these guys know that they were in that position three years ago. And these kids know that, and they've that gives them such so much hope to say, "Oh my gosh, look who came back!" You know, and and that's important. And you know, I mean, it, and and it doesn't matter what school. I mean, you know, you you look at, I mean, look at Douglas, Douglas, um, uh, Parkland, Douglas. Obviously, a tragedy fell on them, you know, years ago. But I mean, they've they've put out some. Uh, some extraordinary baseball talent and they're one of the best baseball programs and it's a public school and you know uh, anthony rizzo and you know i mean and the kid luzardo luzardo exactly from the from the marlins and, and and you look at any of those schools, and, and you know let's discount st thomas aquinas because that's kind of a factory and you know uh, it's a private school so they get basically any anyone they want but you look at the public school programs and and you see wow that guy went there and and that's important. And back in my day, the private schools weren't as prevalent as they are now. I mean, you know, they'd have guys, but, you know, it was usually the public schools that would produce. And it was funny because um, I think this morning on Facebook, uh, Will put a picture of Steve Carlton. Now, every day in high school on the way home, we used to, I used to pass his, his, uh, his house. Obviously he was with the Phillies at the time or the Cardinals, but, um, but his dad would be outside and he waved to us. And here's a guy who, and obviously, you know, I mean, being in the media, he never talked to anybody. So it was, you know, we could never get him to come back. He So, you know, people like that, you have some history and, and, and that's important, you know, from, from years and years. And because of the Cuban community, I mean, you used to get some of these baseball players like Pancho Herrera and guys that would make their home here, uh, Levon Hernandez, and, and because of the fact that because of their comfortable uh, way with the, with the, uh, with the landscape of these communities where Spanish really in some areas is the first language. And, and, um, but we do have good Cuban food, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. My little name drop here, uh, Stephen Bauer. Uh, yes. uh, he, he, I met him several times at, at Marlin games, you know, he, especially out in San Diego, he might be filming a movie, you know, years ago and Marlins were in San Diego you know, and he'd come down and, He'd be outside the clubhouse and he'd talk to him. We'd talk to him on the media. He's, he made my like Twitter celebrity list that I had to follow by Stephen Bauer. Uh, you know, it was like that type of stuff. But uh, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, last year in December, it, when the season ended, those uh, the Miami Dade and, and Broward, you know, show, all-star showcases that, that you're, you're a part of. I think Frank Tucker did this one and uh, Dallas Turner. Alabama yes. linebacker uh, went to St. Thomas. He was there on the sideline. That that speaks to what you were just saying about yeah. guys knowing the history and coming back. Larry, I want to I want to pivot a little bit because uh, this is something that you know it, it gets down to the intersection of um, where branding and social media and you know kind of these these distractions that that these players that are are looking for more attention. They obviously are looking for NIL deals. Um, in the same in the American Heritage game last weekend, I was there for Heritage against Cardinal Gibbons, 
And Malachi Tony, and I'm not picking on Malachi in any way, shape, or form. Great, great uh, sophomore reliever, uh, excuse me, receiver who's already committed to Miami. He scores like on a little shovel pass, goes like 64 yards, and he does like a front flip in the end zone. And because what does he do? He goes right up to where one of the cameras are. He wants that viral video. And, you know, he gets that, obviously gets flagged. Somebody else on Heritage did something, you know, uh, silly flag 15 yards. in. Heritage ended up kicking off uh, at the 10 because of back-to-back celebration penalties. And it led to, it gave Heritage at the time a two-score game. But they kicked off from their 10 and put Gibbons in great field position. And within a minute, it was back to a one-score game. But, you know, you, you kind of look at, at the players. Okay, you could say... The showboating, you know, we see it in baseball with bat flips and so forth. Football, the end zone celebrations, the showboating. But haven't we kind of in these sports, they they kind of they've they've not incentivized being boring. Meaning, if he just hands the football, or if the guy just hits a home run and just drops the bat and goes, they don't get a million Twitter followers. They don't get yeah. the bigger NIL deals. So we're, we are not incentivizing sportsmanship, if that fits into sportsmanship. And we are actually incentivizing, you know what? So Heritage wins the game. He gets 15 yards. But Malachi Tony now gains maybe 100,000 Twitter followers, <laughs> makes them more appealing for NILs, and, and rewards him. How do you kind of see that aspect of, of where social media – branding has all kind of impacted this sport. Yeah, in a great way. But where do they learn that from? Okay, you look at the Miami Dolphins. You have arguably one of the best, most dynamic wide receivers in the country uh, in Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown, does a backflip, and does a selfie of himself. So those kids see that or he jumps into the stands, or he throws his mother the ball. And you know as well as I do, if you're an advertiser, you're throwing your money into where most of your, you know, the, the attention is going to be. And, uh, yeah, this has gotten out of hand, but it's only the tip of the iceberg. And you, like you said, if he catches a touchdown and flips the ball to the uh, referee, you know, no one's going to care who Malachi Tony is. They know he's a good football player, but because Malachi kind of puts himself out there and he's not the only one, you know that. Yeah, I mean, that's why a, I'm just using him as the example. Yeah, and, and no yeah, way and, and, but he's the whole thing kid. is, it's just the way it is. It's just the way as it comes. And, and someone says, listen, if you just blend in, you're just going to be another dude. But you got to do something to separate yourself. And that's what they do. And that's, you know, the, the, the world has made it like that. And the NIL just killed, uh, killed football. It's killed college sports. It really has. And I was a big advocate of them having pocket money and, you know, being able to go out on a date or hang out with the guys or do this and that, you know, to give them extra money because they bring in a lot of revenue. But I never envisioned it getting like this where somebody like a Caleb Williams would ponder going to the NFL because he's making more money now at USC, you see, and or somebody like a, a Bryce Young who before he took a snap at Alabama was making $2.5 million. And to me, and the NCAA, and I'll, I'll pick on them because they make all these rules, but yet they were, they were too shy to get involved in this and, and, and make this part of it because it is their brand. All these guys who are, are playing under there, you know, under the NCAA. So I thought they would have a long time ago stepped in and said, listen, we're putting a governor on this. We're putting guidelines on this. And they've never done that. And that to me, Joe, means that this will never stop. It's just going to be an endless loop and it's only going to get worse. And it's, you don't even know anymore. You know, when you recruit a kid that he won't be there for four years, three years, he may leave like after a year or two and go somewhere else now. And, and to me, that's the uncertainty. And you have to, you almost have to be a capologist in college sports now because you don't know, Hey, next year, my point guards transferring to Marquette. But I never figured that. I thought he'd be with me at least for three years. And that's where I think that, that the, you know, the, the train has gone off the rails is there's no, there's no guidelines for any of this. And, and, uh, 
and everybody, you know, it's a free for all to see how much money you can make. And you know what, no matter how, how good I am to you, uh, the almighty dollar is going to win out and you're going to leave me high and dry when I have a job to do. And uh, I think that's going to cost a lot of people their jobs. And I think it has already where, you know, they recruit uh, Joe for sorrow and uh, they, they think, you know, Joe's going to be with me at least for three years, you know, and then you can understand you going pro, but. Oh, I'm job jumping. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not just you though. I mean, it, everybody does it, but that's that's. I think that's the essence. I think it's ruined. It's ruined recruiting very, very badly because, and especially the transfer portals has kind of killed recruiting because now these colleges are more apt to take a junior than they are a true freshman. Yeah, Dave, I'm sure you want to jump in on this one. Oh, Diller, you couldn't speak uh, more truths than what you said. The NCAA is notorious for creating rules and not legislating, which is ironic because yeah. yeah. their, their sole purpose was to protect the student athlete. And we saw so many cases this year where they didn't. There was a wide receiver from North Carolina that uh, had transferred the proper way and uh, had a redshirt year. I mean, they're, they're, they're inept. I can't wait till they go away. Uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, with, with the, the portal, I got asked the other day on one of our other podcasts if I could advise a kid on two things. One was recruiting. The other one was on what to become when they get older. I said, geez, if you want to be something when you get older and make a lot of money, become an orthopedic surgeon because there's so many Tommy John surgeries nowadays. Or yeah. I'm a fired football coach. They make 28000 a day. That's what Jimbo's pulling in right now. $28,000 a day for the next eight years, not to coach. And um, yeah, with these kids with the NIL, uh, here's what it costs right now. And and this is, we work with kids with recruiting uh, with part of one of our businesses. We help them. And we've had to become very uh, astute with the NIL and the transfer portal. It costs, and I use the word cost because they're, they're buying players, about $1 to $2 million for a transfer portal quarterback. <laughs> um, you want a top-of-the-line guy, it's 5 to $6 million. And uh, it's, it's insane with, with, uh, with how out of hand it's gotten in such a hurry. And you're yeah. right, it's costing people their jobs. Uh, but if I were to advise a kid, and I said this tongue-in-cheek the other day, don't worry about where your first stop is. Worry about what your second or third stop is. Yeah, um, I agree. Get your foot I in the agree. door somewhere. Play well. Um, because when the colleges are starting to recruit, they're not looking at high school kids. Maybe you sign one early. They're going after a sophomore in the portal, a junior in the portal, and a senior. They're treating it just like free agency in, in pro sports. Oh, yeah. It's come that way. I'd be a sports agent if I was, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're making money hand over fist every single day. And I mean, it's not just men's sports, the women's sports. Look at, look at the basketball deals with Angel Reese and, you know, Caitlin Clark and all these uh, unbelievable w women's basketball players. I mean, if, if it was back 10 years, they couldn't afford D Diana Taurasi. I mean, she'd be worth $30 million. I mean, it's so... Yeah, it's ruined it, and uh, you know, and you say the NCAA—they're uh, gutless, and they're—they're uh, they're quick to enforce. They're—they're quick to make the rules, but they're not quick to enforce them. Yeah, Dave. Question for you: How would you kind of handle a kid where you could see the kids doing something to get eyeballs on him or her? You know, to help their brand, and you know, obviously, you don't want to hurt the team, but you kind of have to see. You don't want to be the coach that that muffles it and no one want to play for you. You know, it, it makes it harder on coaches to, to say, look, you know, you're, you don't be selfish. We we're trying to win a state championship here or, or whatever. Now you're talking college level or I'm high talking school? about, you know, just at the high school level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, high school level, it perpetuates, this has been caused by grassroots sports in the travel scene where if kids don't like their situation, they get coached too hard. They're not playing the right position. They're not getting enough shots. Uh, they're jumping teams like crazy. So these kids are being pirated. So parents are already conditioned to as soon as their kid starts playing, their their eyeballs are out for the bigger, the next bigger, better deal. They're they're hopping around. So when they by the time they get to the high school, they're pros at this stuff. I advise kids. I'm old fashioned. I'm 50 years old. I've got four kids. My wife and I are both former college and professional athletes. Both both former coaches. When my kids have an issue with their coach, they they, they never come to me and ask. A, I got a problem with playing time. They know better. So go talk to your coach. And with my background, I dare say most stands I'm sitting with, my resume is probably a lot better than the average parent. But my advice to my kids is go talk to your coach. Find out. The question I have them ask is, what do you need? What do we not, what is not being done with this team right now from a production standpoint that I can help provide you? And that's it. Simple question. Yeah. 
he'll give you the answer. But I, yeah, I, I do not yank, unless my kid's being abused in some way, um, which is hard to do because I'm hard on my kids. So they have a different definition of abuse, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, if less they're being abused, I, if, they're, if they're not playing, that's not the end of the world. Those are good things to learn now when they're young because, and I, I joke with our kids all the time, as much as I love them, as good as they are in their sports and, you know, they're, 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 uh, they, they have good genes, I guess, thanks to my wife. But, uh, you know, a lot of Saturdays and Sundays, nobody's watching. Nobody cares what's happening. Nobody cares if your son batted sixth or ninth or 12th or pitched or let them have fun. Enjoy it. Take the bumps and the bruises now. Um, you know, these injustices are not injustices at all. They're just minor little hiccups on the train ride to really to have fun in sports. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these kids are not going to play in college. They're not going to play professionally. And the role of the high school coach should really mirror that. They should give these kids great experiences, teach them how to work hard, be tough on them, be disciplined, be demanding. But uh, these parents need to be put in check, um, I think. And you know, that, that's what I would advise. I, always, I do advise and We help kids with recruiting all the time. And one of the first questions we get, maybe we should switch high schools, teams. No, no, no. College coaches follow the player. They do not care what colored jersey you have on. They don't care where you play. If you played on team XYZ in Mars and you're good, they're going to fly to Mars to see you. Simple. So that's kind of my long-term advice. You, yeah. you, you, you touched a, a, a button with me that we deal with every day uh, with recruiting. So it's uh, just leave your kids alone. Let them play. That's it. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, you know, we could talk to, to Larry Bluestein all day, and we'll have to get him back at, at some point very, very soon. Uh, Larry, you know, when the when the obviously you're going to be up at state. I'm going to do the semis tomorrow, and and I'm not going to go up to Tallahassee, but I'll obviously be following and and writing, you know, for SB Live and um, and the Herald and and so <laughs> forth. Uh, but you know what. When you're uh, when the season ends, tell people about what you do and how they can find your work. Because you're not just involved in the media end of it; you you're involved in getting showcases up. and And what events do you got coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah, well, as soon as the season ends, which is next week, and uh, I mean the following week, we start. You know, Frank has his All Star game and uh, Miami Dade and Broward, which you know the last year, and you were there. I mean, and and they got usually when you have these postseason All Star games, these kids don't want to play in. You know, a lot of the affluent uh, players who already are committed won't play in it, but this has changed in, in that, and that's why you know you you look at that and you say to yourself, wow. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how these kids, uh, you know, these upper crust kids who are set to go to Oregon or Wisconsin or whatever, Ohio State, they want to play in these games because there's a lot of pride. And that's the one thing about this area. Uh, all the kids want to one up each other all the time. Uh, but to answer your question, as soon as we're finished with that, we have seven on seven, which has become massive massive i mean there's uh, i mean we and it, i think it kind of all began in south florida with the south florida express i mean they used to have guys like geno smith and duke johnson and you know to begin with uh and then uh, it's kind of morphed into a bunch of teams and nationally and they have these tournaments that people don't even understand in las vegas these kids are 15 years old going to la and going to vegas and going to nashville and to houston uh, every weekend uh, for tournaments and then these there's huge sponsorship in that and uh, in between that we have uh, uh, we have uh, uh, camps and we have combines uh, the our prep red zone uh, uh, finally from being at IMG Academy the last four years we're going to be in South Florida this year and and, and I think it's going to be great because a lot of the kids you know sometimes they can't afford to to, to, you know, their parents can't get away for six, seven, eight hours, but this way they could just drop them off. So we have that. And then obviously national signing day is huge here. First one in end of December, second one in first Wednesday of February. So, and it doesn't stop. We go right into soon seven on seven spring football is huge in South Florida. It's huge in the state, uh, end of April, all the way to the beginning of uh, June, and then June, all the college coaches uh, get everybody on these caravans, which are awesome. They'll get a bus. They'll go away for seven days. They'll hit all the schools on the, you know, in the Atlantic or go up to the Midwest. They play in seven on sevens against teams from Ohio and, you know, wherever. And um, and then you come back and in July, it's kind of an open deal because the NCAA, there they are again, Dave, trying to show up to make rules. They don't let any of the, their member schools have any camps. So 
a lot of the NAIAs and the Division Three twos, uh, they host events, and then uh, all of a sudden August comes and you start football again. So it doesn't. It's a nine. It's the only football is the only sport that has a nine month off season. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> baseball, you're you're back at it in February with the pitchers and catchers, and you don't end if you're successful into the end of October. Uh, football is the same way. Starting August, you know, if you're successful, you end up in the second week of February. So it's the only sport uh, that uh, is a nine month off season. So it's. Uh, pretty challenging. And before I go, I just wanted to relate one baseball story. I, oh, I opened it up with a, with the Ferguson Jenkins thing. When uh, the Miami uh, baseball team uh, started in the Florida state league in 1962, after they were in triple a with the international league for a number of years. And we, uh, they, they had the Phillies, which were the uh, first team to come in here in 62. And on that Philadelphia team, they had Alex Johnson who would later play in major league baseball. Uh, they had, um, Jeff James and Ferguson Jenkins and a catcher by the name of Pat Williams, who is now obviously the uh, president of the Orlando Magic. And my mom was just a huge baseball fanatic, and they had these 2 o'clock games on Sunday. So she started a little tradition when they had these 2 o'clock games afterwards. She'd invite these guys at home. Uh, to our to our house, you know, and I had no clue. I was so young, uh, but Ferguson Jenkins would come over there every freaking day, every Sunday. Uh, Jeff James, all these players that played, and uh, it was neat. And and you know, and and like I said, yeah, we only had a a pretty good camera, a cell phone back in those days. It would have been invaluable. But then you were so young. But imagine that, you know, here's a guy. Ferguson Jenkins, fresh out of Ontario, Canada, uh, getting an opportunity to be in uh, Miami, Florida on a Sunday with, uh, you know, with, with people who actually are like his family, you know, and uh, those are great. Those are great stories. Doesn't happen as much anymore, but uh, it used to. Uh, great, great stuff from Larry Bluestein. Larry, how can they follow you on Twitter or X or Yeah, it's uh, Larry Bluestein, B-L-U-S-T-E-I-N, uh, my Twitter account. Uh, my uh, Instagram is Our Boy B-L-U, Our Boy Blue. And then uh, um, we're on as far as Facebook, same thing, Larry Bluestein. And uh, just uh, if you ever want to uh, listen to any of our shows, we do really good recruiting shows on WQAM down here, which is the uh, – which ironically, we cover the Dolphins, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, the the Heat. So we're on during the during, during the season whenever we can be on. Last night we were on, uh, but uh, you can go to wqam.com, look up uh, South Florida High School Sports, and you'll see all these college coaches that we do in the off season, from Jim Harbaugh all the way to uh, Ken Niamatololo from Navy when he was in Navy. So a lot of fun. We get a lot of the kids on there, and um, it's a good time and. I appreciate you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, the one and only, the legend, Larry Bluestein. Larry, thanks so much. Dave? Uh, we, we need a Larry in every community. I know I'm being <laughs> selfish, but uh, no, it's been fun listening to what you do, and um, we, we'd love to have you back if you have time. Definitely our audience has got to listen in to the radio, or to the, the radio show down there, but also uh, follow you on all your social media. I think they'll learn a ton. Um, Joe, as always, great interview. I mean, your 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 relationships ring true in everybody you bring on, so we appreciate that. And hopefully our fans, 60,000-plus and climbing, uh, appreciate what we brought to you today. Give Joe five stars. Write some nice comments so we can fight those analytics like they do in baseball. And uh, make sure Blackout Coffee, if you catch that thing through Friday, as a programming thank you to our audience. David, all capital letters, followed by 20. You get 20% off, 15% in perpetuity. Our relationship will expand starting next week. It's, it'll benefit your, the audience even more and our podcast host, as we discussed before the show. And to our good friend, Ted Kubiak, make sure you take a look at his book, Old School, and then How to Field a Ground Ball. He'll be coming out with his children's book in January, and he'll, he'll reveal that on the show, hopefully. And guys, thanks so much. You're, you're, uh, your handle there, you're, you're, our, what's it, you're our boy, Blue? Our boy, Blue. Our boy, Blue. My yeah. oldest son, his nickname is Blue after that, uh, the movie, Old School. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you'll, that's, you'll, I don't, you know, I've had that nickname ever since like when I was little. So it's, uh, yeah. I can't shake it. No, <laughs> it's, it's, that's a fun one. They now up north, we're from New York. 
nobody understood blue. They're like, yeah, it's interesting. Now we've come down south. We live down south now. Everybody's got a cousin named Blue. So it's a more, yeah. it's like John up north. Yep. <laughs> Love it. But uh, guys, thanks so much for a great show. We'll thank you. Week. Yeah. Thanks, thanks uh, again. Uh, thanks to Larry Bluestein. Thanks to Dave D'Agostino. Um, check out all of uh, this, these, uh, these high school players. I like to say, if you can see some high school uh, athletics in your neighborhood, in your community, support it. This is the grassroots. This is where it all starts. Um, this show, we, we cover everything and we will be back next week with another great guest and, and more great content. Uh, follow all the channels here on Real Voices of the Game. Joe Forsaro and a man on second and we are out of here. Small town.